There's a bit, uh, an, a one-off joke on Family Guy, of all things. Of all things? That is just... I hate when this happens, when, like, out of nowhere, Family Guy just comes out with some shit that's really fucking funny. It's one of the millions of episodes where Brian is trying to leave the home. Um, and it never lasts, because sitcom status quo. Yeah. So he's shacked up with Cleveland, who lives next door, and he's trying to do a poo on Cleveland's lawn, and Cleveland has him on a leash. I mean, sexy so far. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, Brian Griffin really does it for me. Mm. And he goes, you know, You know, Cleveland, I really appreciate you uh, letting me stay with you, but I can go to the bathroom by myself. And Cleveland says... Well, I'm sorry, but there's a leash law enforced, and you never know who's watching. And then it pans out to the sort of the vision of Brian and Cleveland in a cauldron, <laughs> and there it turns out that they're they're being watched by Mumra. Brilliant. He then says the funniest line ever spoken on Family Guy. He says, "Ha ha 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 ha! I'm watching you make." To to this day, it's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen on that show. That is quite quality. I'm capable of laughing at that show. Like, I can laugh when it's just stupid and, like, jokes about poop and stuff. I used to find it funny. I haven't watched it in years. Because I'm afraid I will still find it funny. And I have to I have to act like I'm high and mighty and above that sort of thing. Like, they're making their stupid, repetitive, catchphrase-based jokes that, that reference, like, things that only the creator really gets, turning in-jokes into long-winded gags. Whereas I am, am a purveyor of fine art in my humour. Characters uh- like Andrew Burke are... Enduring, ever living, like Mumra. There's also like your running gags are just so much more intricate. Like, you know, Jonathan Holmes's anus. Oh, I mean that's an ever winding maze of of delights and promises. To be fair, you have to have a very high IQ to understand Jonathan Holmes's anus. Indeed, indeed. But we were talking, uh, what got us onto that, we were talking about how villains in uh, cartoons of yore, such as Thundercats, were more interesting than the heroes. I often wonder how universal that is. For trash girls such as we, yes, the Decepticons are more interesting, flavourful, scenery-chewing and thus more charismatic than the Autobots, who are just, like, heroic. Apart from a couple. Like, Sunstreak was a cunt. I liked him. Mumra, a fucking decrepit mummy that turns into... Still a mummy, but but kind of dishy. Like a dishy dreamboat mummy. Yeah, like a sexy mummy. Yeah, like a, like a pin-up boy jock. He's basically a mummy jock. I was about to be like, well, when, are, when is that going to happen in a, in a mainstream movie? 1999, it already happened. Oh, absolutely. 1999 is when everything happened. The Mummy in the 1999 film, The Mummy, 
Much like Mumra, actually. He was uh, quite decrepit until he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, once he took that guy's um, eyes and his tongue and he, and made that man, like, wander around going, He took my tongue! He took my tongue! Um, it got pretty sexy after that. Got less sexy by the end of it, when he was fully complete. I liked him when he was mostly complete, but had a bit of a skeleton mouth. A bit of a skeleton mouth always does it for me. The rotting jawline? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. You really missed a trick not playing World of Warcraft. Because, like, you could play as a zombie girl whose lower jaw has just fallen off. Ugh. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, see that? I've done a little semen in my uh, knickers now. Just a little one. Like, about a teaspoonful. That's a good day for me. Shoot. Yeah. Oh, I still generate an immense amount. It's funny because it seems to have like one of two extremes when uh, trans fans such as us start on the the antihistamines. Either the idea of semen is completely removed from the body or it replaces most of your blood with cum. (laughs) Yeah, in many ways. Uh, as someone who's on the other end of the spectrum to you. In many ways, I do feel like some sort of animate cum waterbed. <laughs> Forever terrified, I'll spring a leak. Jesus. annoyed anyway as it goes oh yeah starting the show today i hate to bring in the bad energy the bad feeling but i had a a cheese sandwich before we started i'm planning on having dinner after this but i was like i'm fucking hungry i bet i can get away with a cheeky cheese sandwich before we start had a chili cheddar cheese which is good because it's alliterative and i'm really annoyed because it's delicious and I am currently engaged in a feud with the local dairy owner, Dr. Cheddar Boggins. Already sounds like a bastard. I am livid that I like his cheese. Because I, I told him, I said, Dr. Cheddar Boggins, I am never eating your cheddar again, you twat. And obviously, you know, I'm like those gays you get. The gay quizlings who go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, because, oh, I just can't resist the taste. Sorry, what regimes are they funding? And they're doing what to gays? I can't hear you over this deliciously overrated sandwich. I am from Louisiana, you know. I uh, Like, on one hand, there's no reason to do Chick-fil-A in a world where Popeyes also exists. And the spicy chicken sandwich is the good one. That's yes. the one that you get. Yeah. Spicy, spicy. All spicy chicken sandwiches are good. Yes. I mean, except the shit ones. Like the one at McDonald's. Yeah, or the one that fucking Dr. Cheddar Boggins cooked up at his barbecue. He wrapped it in cheese. He wraps everything in cheese. Watching him eat a banana is like witnessing a massacre. Ugh. He won't do it any other way. Is it a sex thing? It's just a cheese thing. 
Which, to a man who is as into cheese as Dr. Cheddar Boggins, MD, right? It may very well be the same thing. But I have watched him. I have watched him make dinner and it's disgusting. I've watched him eat fries, right? All right. Like, cheese fries are a thing. You don't wrap each individual fry in its own cheese container, then put ketchup on and wrap the ketchup in cheese. You know, all I can think is, man, it must be hell when he shits. Oh, my God. I've been in the same house as him doing it. I didn't say same room because the stench permeates through brick to the point where anyone on the block might as well be in the same room as Dr. Cheddar Boggins having a shit. Eventually, he gave up putting ketchup on things and then trying to wrap cheese around the ketchup. What he's fucking done now is he's made his own squeezy bottles out of cheese. And by bottles, I mean bowls. Don't let him put ketchup on your chips because he will bring out an almost perfectly spherical bowl of Red Leicester and then just crush it with both his hands over the chips as crumbles of cheese and yellowy red sauce goes everywhere, mostly down his sleeves. That's why me and Dr. Cheddar Boggins are in a feud. Because I told him to wear short sleeves at the very least if he's going to crush a ketchupy cheese ball over my dinner. And he won't brook it. Because he's in a feud with Professor Threddy McShirty, the premier shirt wrangler of Yorkshire. Steph, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Somehow I was going to try to arrive at the punchline that Dr. Cheddar Boggins is not a real doctor. But I got so far away from any point where that could have even vaguely passed for a punchline. And I was too afraid to simply stop, but terrified of the destination. So I just kept driving. It'd be like that sometimes, though. Yeah, this is what I get for eating a bit of cheese before we record and letting names like Dr. Cheddar Boggins get into my head. Because that's all I'll do. All I will do when I do, like, hilarious skits for podcasts like a bitch is I'll get a name in my head, not think about it any further, and just assume that's going to carry the segment. Well, it didn't. I hope you're happy with yourself, Elsa. I hope you're fucking happy with yourself <laughs> letting me do that. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'll have you know, Stephanie, I am thrilled and proud to the point of orgasmic satisfaction to have let you do that. Oh, yeah. I did a good job then. Yeah, oh, I'm made up with that. I'm thrilled with that. Well done, Steph. You're not a bitch for this anyway. How are you, Elsa? I hope you've uh, been doing well since we last talked, since we last... I mean, we have talked since, but we've not done a podcast since the last time we did a podcast. It's uh, true. Which is how sequential events work, really. Um, but how are you? 
Oh, God. A burp tried to come out as I spoke. And you've headed it off at the pass. I hate doing that. I try and give off the impression that I'm kind of demure, that I'm a, a demure, ladylike, uh, almost virginal maiden. I like to think it works. I like to think <clears throat> that's... There you go. You see, I'm very much the opposite to you in that regard, because as well as this podcast, I've heard you on Jonathan Holmes' Talking to Women About Video Games, and uh, you don't care. You'll burp up a tree. I just think it's funny. Casey Explosion, she does the same thing. Yeah, because it's funny. I wish I had that inhibition. Says the girl who talks about, like, anuses and poo all the time. But when it comes to burps and farts, right, I I get shy. I become a wallflower. I record my farts if they're impressive enough. Yeah. You know, if I feel a rumble in the jungle, I and I I know that it's going to be a good one. What I do is I take like one of those old-timey tape recorders that like old cops use with the little bitty cassettes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put that right next to the old wagon wheel. Mm. Delectable. And once business is concluded, I catalog it, uh, date, time, decibel count. Of course. And how funny I thought it was on a scale of the average episode of The Big Bang Theory to Mumra watching you make <laughs> stool. <laughs> or that one episode of The Big Bang Theory that was just wall-to-wall shit jokes and it was fantastic. I see, I've... Uh... I think I've watched one scene of The Big Bang Theory, and it was a scene that someone had edited to take the laugh track off. Yep. So it was just awkward and, and kind of terrifying. It was kind of haunting. You know what's funny is I saw an, uh, a scene where they took the laugh track out, but then they replaced it. Someone would say something, and then instead of a laugh track, it would be Titus from Final Fantasy X. Oh god, I think that's actually the yes. Going <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, tell a lie. I've I've heard that. I've seen that scene as well. I've seen two scenes of the Big Bang Theory. The Tedus one is amazing. It's oh. Mm. There was just this lovely little period uh quite a few years back where Tedus's laugh was just the thing. It was the go-to. Oh yeah, and that's because it's it's a beautiful scene. Like people look at that scene, right? And they're like, "Oh god, the voice acting is so bad," not knowing that it's bad on purpose. I um have heard that defense. I have historically um looked at that scene and thought that it was bad and and awkward and cringe-worthy. I stand by it regardless of context. But that's just me. That laugh is amazing, whether you enjoy it ironically or sincerely. Does it matter the journey if you get to the same destination? Is is really the, the philosophy behind this podcast and indeed every podcast I've ever done. That's an interesting point. To answer your earlier question, I'm doing all right. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Since we uh, since last we recorded, I have uh, started and finished... Uh, Final Fantasy 16, uh-huh. and I have moved on 
to the next logical step from Final Fantasy 16, which is Dark Souls 2. I mean, there's only one way to go. Yeah, obviously. Like, once you've played Final Fantasy 16, you understand that in many ways, uh, Dark Souls 2 is the canonical sequel to Final Fantasy 16. Sure, why not? Oh, yeah, no, no, it's true, it's true. Um, the uh, old man who you give stories to in Final Fantasy 16, who talks about, Torkel Snow is buried in my nuts! <laughs> um, he is the scholar of the first sin. Like, that. that is canon. And the first sin was Torkel burying his nose in his nuts. <laughs> That's what the first sin is. It's an old man. Letting a Final Fantasy protagonist's wolf nosh him off. <laughs> it makes me think of, like, if I could try and put together a some sort of Clive build in Dark Souls 2. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like, I mean, I, I could just have, like, a straight sword in the right hand and do pyromancy from the left, I guess. Yeah. Like, I guess I could do that. But I don't want to, because... That would mean I'd play a character in Dark Souls 2 who doesn't have a giant bell on their head. Why would I eschew the giant bell on my head? Mm. It's one of two acceptable attires. is the bell and the full jester outfit. Oh, well, yeah, obviously there's that. Obviously. You know. But, you know, I figured I already there's already Jester Thomas that you can summon for, like, a couple of boss fights. I forget which ones, other than Myth of the Baneful Queen. Mm-hmm. That's the one I remember having him for. I think he... I, I could have sworn I've seen him in other boss fights. There might be one more. He's an invader as well. Is he? Oh. Yeah. Really fucking shitty one. Like, he is... He's a bastard. From what I remember. He's... A, I, I'm pretty sure he is like a fucking toughie. I think he fights you at the, the castle full of lava... Like, where you go to Bowser's Castle. Oh, I yeah. that's where he fights you in Bowser's Castle. I'm trying to find Jester Thomas on a Dark Souls 2 wiki. There he is. Let's see. Jester. He invades the player in the Dragon Sanctum, and he can only be summoned for Mytha. Oh. Huh. Well, I guess seeing him twice, if you forget that one was an invasion, then uh, you might reasonably assume two boss fights it's a good game is dark souls 2 i quite like dark souls 2 yeah i think it's underrated in a lot of ways i think that in a lot of um, ways because this is coming from someone who has not played a great deal of dark souls 3 because i want to finish like i want to get a nice uh meaty 100 percent run with dark yeah. souls 2 yeah before i move on to dark souls 3 and then from there Presumably Demon Souls and Elden Ring. I'll uh, I'll go back to those. I recently returned to Elden Ring. Oh yeah? Because I didn't quite finish it. Neither did I. I got as far as the Fire Giant. And I re-downloaded it. Didn't have a fucking clue what was up. <laughs> I knew of that one thing. And I knew there were other things that I'd left undone. But I looked across that fucking sprawl of a map. Admittedly, beautifully designed and and densely packed with with stuff to do map, but I was, 
I'm, I'm going to say the word, and I'm really sorry to our listeners, but I was honestly quite bamboozled. Mm, it's oh true. God. Quite bad. Well, I'm not going to say the word again. I don't like the fire giant. He moves around like a prick. I wish he'd stand still like a like an upstanding, fine young gentleman. And let me give him a bloody good dressing down. I love the fire giant. It's probably my favorite boss fight in the game. Because my favorite... Is this continuing a running gag from the first episode? Because we were going to talk about Elden Ring in the first episode and just didn't. Oh yeah, um, we were going to talk about... What were we going to say about Elden Ring? We were going to talk about how... Um, after playing Elden Ring, I considered Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin to be a breath of fresh air. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we just talked about a fucking hat for an hour. We sure did. We sure did. Yeah. And sausage boxing. And... That's a good hat. No, it isn't. But that's that's why <laughs> I love it. Um, But my favorite boss fights in Elden Ring were the ones that only Elden Ring could have done. For me, like, I feel like Elden Ring kind of dropped the ball in the fights that feel like Dark Souls fights. I have never fought a boss in a Souls game or Soulsborne whatever that frustrated me as much as Elden Ring's Crucible Knight. Oh, God. I I hated that fucking thing, but, like, Fire Giant, you know? Like, a boss where you can ride on your horse and... It actually feels huge and sprawling and epic, like the Erdtree avatars, and especially Star Scourge Radon. Oh, the loved that. Even if I just killed, I killed all of those things the same way. I threw up on them. <laughs> I used a spell called Exixis Decay, which is technically an incantation. You get a big dragon head, and then you throw up red gunk. Actually, it's more of a mist. You you spray a poison mist like, like Asuka. Asuka from the wrestling. I love how we both said like Asuka at exactly the same time. I know, right? But that's because Asuka is perfect. I mean, positively. God damn WWE for having such bad management and such good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like, when they let their really good wrestlers just go, it's some of the best. Like, have you seen any matches with Gunter? Oh, yeah. I love that. Gunter's a fucking beast. That just fucking massive pillar of beef. He is just a... Mm. And that's... that's. God, can you imagine him and Brock? Fucking, yes. Brock would definitely be on the bottom in that situation. Oh, that is exactly what I was thinking. I was about to launch into a tirade. About the ponytail, right? The ponytail. It's for pulling. Mm-hmm. It's for yanking. Because it turns out that Brock Lesnar has just been looking for someone who is man enough to top him this entire time. It's the modern day version of like a barbarian warrior looking for an, uh, a foe good enough to kill him. Brock Lesnar's modern take on that is, as you say, just uh, looking for someone stout of heart and noble of bearing enough to just fuck him up the ass. I mean, if we're going by the people who have won matches against him, Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns could fuck anyone up the ass with a glance. He really could. Like, anyone would say yes. The most notorious homophobes 
would say yes. Donald Trump would say yes. Oh, absolutely. Roman Reigns, that is a premium hunk of boy. He's like an action figure, but a real man. And perpetually glistening. I love things that perpetually glisten. Like photographs of fruit. And the head of a penis. So anyway, Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Yeah, Elden Ring. It It's funny. I, I had like a whole thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast and we're not going to get to it. And that's, that's the Trash Girl Diaries in a nutshell. But Elden Ring, I guess, like I say, the for me, the bosses where you're just kind of on your feet doing the Dark Souls thing, it feels like every boss just has all of the poise in all of the world. They'll break your guard if you use a shield. They'll track your role if you don't. Like, I'm entirely willing to accept that Elden Ring is not as similar in terms of its combat to Dark Souls as I think it is. I'm 100% willing to accept that idea. Yeah. But the fact remains that the most fun I had in Elden Ring was when I was fighting Radon. And on my fucking horse with my big spear, or halberd, I guess galloping toward him and then throwing up all over him. (laughs) And uh, I stopped playing the game when I found a boss that I could not throw up on because there's a a boss near or actually at the end of the game that is immune to status effects and highly resistant to holy damage. And my build my you know just blind playthrough build was based around two things status effects and holy damage just holy vom yeah pretty much it was your whole that was your entire thing was just but like jesus about it you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> jesus dragon throw up but yeah one of the the great things about elden ring is fights like star scourge radan Stuff that hadn't been in the series at all until then. There's not a boss fight like it. Even outside of of Soul-style games. This big desert where you can just summon a whole bunch of people to fight for you. And patches. You make your way across this vast desert while this lunatic who's rotting from the inside out on a tiny little horse... That you find out is fucking massive when you get to it. It's not tiny. It's just the guy on top of it is as big as a fucking mountain. And then an actual fight happens. And you know what else? What else? The horse. Apparently, if you like look into the code or something, the horse has a name. Oh, yes, it does indeed. It's Leonard. Leonard. (laughs) Poor Leonard. He's the real victim in all this. Oh, absolutely. Leonard is at the centre of one of my favourite bits of of backstory of Elden Ring. Oh, yeah? Because Radan, his whole sort of thing, is that not only is he a a very skilled warrior and uh, general, but he's also a very powerful gravity mage, doing um, gravity attacks and stuff like that's part of his moveset. And the backstory is, when Radan got massive and got way too big for his horse... He learned gravity magic simply so he could keep riding the horse that he loved. Aww. And that's why he is like this devastatingly powerful gravity mage. 
He learned it just so that he could uh, go on the horse without breaking its back. Which also means that by the point you fight him, where he has completely lost his mind and he's like eating his own friends, not only does he still have enough residual love for the horse that he's not eating it, he must clearly be maintaining some sort of magic to stay on the horse, which is really quite sweet. Yeah, in like a deeply tragic way. It's funny because I thought he was just learning gravity magic because he wanted to be sin. (laughs) But that's just my Final Fantasy rotted brain. Speaking of which, you know what would make a fucking great boss at a Souls game? Sin. You remember that fucking thing? I do remember that fucking thing. That's just a a big lump. It's a whale. It's kind of a whale. Sort of a whale, yeah. It's like a whale with, like, big flippers. And, like, it has, like, gills at certain parts of its body that look extremely fucking vaginal. There's a lot of, like, really yonic imagery with sin in particular and i don't know if that's deliberate like are they trying to tell us that jack has a vagina is jack trans definitely every character is trans like we're gonna get them all oh absolutely we're gonna we're gonna capture them all like it's like pokemon bridget was just the vanguard oh yeah bridget was was our foot in the door we're barging in and we're trans in everything. Sin is trans. Oh, Madan yeah. is trans. Leonard. Leonard is fucking gender fluid. Easy. I mean, by the time that the fight was over, there was certainly a lot of gender fluid all over the ground. Uh, um, well, it depends which one of us is there, I guess. I mean, I was talking about blood. Oh, see, I hear the word fluid, I automatically think of semen, which reminds me, last night I saw a photo of the most fuckable coffee bean I've ever seen. Can you, like, do me a favour and, and send it to me so that I can I can assess uh, this? I'll have to take my own photo of it, because okay. it was at the uh, it was at the grocery store. At the coffee section, there was a big photo, like, advertising some brand or other, and it had one big coffee bean on it. And with the split down the middle that just gets darker in the middle, it looks like a fleshlight you'd see on Bad Dragon. Ooh. But like a perfectly like aerial shot of it. Huh. And I, I said to Faye, way too loudly in the middle of the shop, <laughs> look at the cunt on that coffee bean. <laughs> I want to fuck that coffee bean. So yeah. Uh, next time I'm at the shop, I will take a photo of the photo of the world's most fuckable coffee bean. That is definitely, like, that needs to be a flashlight. I'm far from a flashlight connoisseur. I only have one. Yeah. It's Angela White's. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Patron saint of the Trash Girl Diaries, Angela White. I had one once. I had a generic one. I used it on the Jimquisition, not... When I say I used it, um, I don't mean I violated YouTube's policies while I violated a lump of silicone. That's just what, what you were doing behind that podium all the time. Yeah, yeah, just constantly just, just sticking it in. Just pounding it. I took the plastic tubing off of it, so I just had the wibbly-wobbly <laughs> vagina, and I stuffed it under the handhole of a boglin, 
and showed that off on the Jimquisition. I didn't fuck it. It was your secret poussoir. I remember this. There we are, my secret boggling poussoir. And there was also the, the bunch of pogs and you were like, go into the vagina. Oh yeah, I pushed pogs into a flashlight in a boggling. And I do want to assure listeners that I didn't fuck it. I didn't fuck the fleshlight in the Boglin. And that's not me saying I wouldn't. That's me saying I'm autistic and could not stand the idea that the fleshlight was like human colour and the Boglin was green. You'd need to get a green one. It's incongruous. Yeah. I have to, yeah, yeah, I'll have to get a green one. Or I've got a couple of brown Boglins. If I can find a coffee bean big enough, mm. I reckon... I will have a marriage made in heaven. I'd love to fuck a big coffee bean. You would, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Let's yeah, absolutely. down the middle. You know what's funny is I, I know why that split is there. Yeah? Yeah, uh, so I used to be a hardcore coffee snob. Um, mm. Like, just a real fucking bitch about it. Right. I mean, in my defense, I would buy coffee beans. I'd buy them raw. I would roast them myself when you first have the coffee bean like it's got that divot in the middle but as coffee beans roast there's a point where like the natural oils that are in them will cause a sudden expansion of the bean and that's and you hear it you hear a cracking sound as that happens oh god my beans expanding just thinking about it oh here's the thing that it it can happen twice over the course of, of a bean being roasted. And the second time it happens, it's referred to as second crack. <laughs> so I've just got an image of I've got an image of two hobbits going, We haven't had second crack yet. <laughs> well, here's the thing, that's when the oils start to coat the exterior of the bean, so it's all glisteny, like Roman reigns. I'm learning a lot about coffee beans. Yeah. And, and having the most erotic time of my life. Oh, I doubt that. Never mind the caffeine. Something else is awakening today, thanks to coffee. It's the delicious juice you get from trees. It really is. But, you know, at, my, at the peak of my coffee snobbery, if you gave me, like, a cup of coffee that was, like, roasted and ground and brewed both recently and... Well, there was like a 50 to 60% chance that I could tell you where the beans were grown by taste. Just because I, you know, I tried coffee beans from all over the world and discovered that, you know, various regions had their own various flavor profiles. Like, for instance, if you want a very, very powerful cup of coffee that will punch you in the fucking mouth in the morning, just like... Wake up, bitch! Southeast Africa and, like, Mid-East Africa is is what you want to look for. Like, Kenya, Ethiopia, Somalia. But, like, coffee from Central America, South America tends to be much milder. Oh. See? Coffee facts. Coffee All day facts. long. I don't drink it anymore because it, it fucks with my stomach. Oh, yeah. Coffee will bugger you up. Sure will. Which is why we've got to get in there first and, and bugger up the coffee. Put a dicks in it is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the beans. Just get a big bean and fuck, like pick it up and fuck it. 
What was I talking about? Right, yes. I have often wanted to be that person with something else. Like, you talk about being a coffee snob. Like, I want to have some sort of drink stuff or food stuff that I am a connoisseur of. Fee and I once decided we were going to do it with grapes, that we were going to become grape people. (laughs) Uh, We got as far as regular white grape, regular black grape, we got to candy floss grapes, decided they tasted weird, and then we never went further. They are strange. I don't like the name. No. And they sort of do a bit taste like it, but not at all like it, and it leaves your tongue confused. Cheese is the one, though, that I always tell myself, you're going to become a cheese person, Steph. And then Dr. Cheddar Boggins will be shamed out of town. But I... Go to the big sort of cheese and deli section of a shop where they've got all these different cheeses from around the world. And not just from cows. You've got your sheep's cheese. You've got your goat's cheese. Uh, you've got your, your, all the different genesis of cheeses. And then I get scared because I know that I like cheddar. But I don't know if I'll like any of these with the weird colours the ones in the green wax, the ones in the yellow wax, the ones with holes, the ones that crumble, the ones with skin, cheese with a skin. I am sending you a pair of images and I want you to examine this. Chocolate cheese. You've shown me a picture of chocolate cheese. Yes, I have shown you. It looks like a turd. It really does look like a turd. Like the colour... The texture, the shape, it looks like they vacuum sealed a turd and called it chocolate cheese. (laughs) Which is a good name for turds. A good colloquialism. It's a great colloquialism. I was cheese adventurous last night because last night I decided for my Dirty Thursday that I do, where my day of treats, that I was going to push the boat out. In fairness, I mostly just ate cheese I knew was good and didn't adventure at all because I didn't want to waste my crackers on it. Get some crackers, a little bit of marge on it, put a bit of cheese in, om nom nom, lovely. But with Phoenix's goading and accusations of cowardice, I did pick up some cheese in yellow wax, (laughs) and really quite an appealing shade of yellow as well. Rum and pineapple cheese, which I've not yet dared break the seal on. Rum and pineapple cheese. Well, all right then. Oh God! You know what? I've brought it up. Keep, keep the listener entertained. I'll be back momentarily. I'm gonna bring it. Oh, and then shit. then talk about. Uh, it's, we're gonna have a live taste of this. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Live I can... taste time. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. I'm with Hogan. <laughs> and so now it's just me, listeners. It's just me here while while Stephanie goes out and does her thing. And I don't know. I don't know if. Um, if I've got what it takes, I feel like the Marty Janetti of the Trash Girl Diaries sometimes. You were always I on feel, my mind. I, I feel I feel you very much like. You were always on my mind. Like the. Oh, the lesser Hello. of the 
Hello. Welcome back. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Don't worry, everybody. Shawn Michaels is back. You aren't stuck with Marty Jannetty. That's how Shawn Michaels' music started. He thinks he's cute. He knows he's sexy. I mean, that's just the kind of uh, reserved confidence that I admire in my wrestlers. Right. I've heard that Shawn Michaels is like a total dickhead. Certainly used to be. I think there, there are claims that he mellowed out after he became a born-again Christian, but who knows? The only person whose testimony I've heard on that is Cornette, who, uh, born again, I wasn't a fan the first time. I mean, that is a good goof. That's a great That is a good goof. It's a great line. It is good. It's the thing about Cornette, he might be a hateful prick who thinks he's not a bigot because he doesn't like Donald Trump. Um, but he does come out with some right corkers. He really does. Oh, oh, he comes out with some good corkers. I've got in my hands... A fetching wheel of yellow wax with the sticker that says Monty's Handmade Cheese. And there's a picture of a a rat or a mouse with a monocle and a top hat on it. Brilliant. That's extremely fancy. Thrilled with that. Pineapple and rum cheddar. All right. Normally waxed cheese has a little like pull string or something in it. Doesn't it? Or am I, is it only mini baby bells? I think it that? may be only mini baby bells that do that. Like, I think you may need like a, um, a cheese knife. I think that they have, and I don't know oh. that it's for removing the wax on the cheese. I've just got regular type knife. Yeah. Like I have a, um, craft knife, not a craft knife, a, um, camping knife, big old camping knife. Uh, her name is Patty. And... I, I just sort of use that or a box cutter for my uh, for my non food cutting related requirements that I have. I took a standard bread knife, standard butter spreading knife, and just smushed it down. Why break the habit of a lifetime? Exactly. I got myself a bit of it. I'll tell you what, it fucking smells of pineapple. Which, considering it's overpowering the smell of cheese, of all things. That feels weird. It's giving me a hint as to how pineapple-y this might be. Right, I'm going to have a bit of this. Monty's pineapple and, ha- and rum cheddar. Uh, om nom nom. It's funny, it's like you're bringing back Laura's old bit from Podquisition. Yeah. Only significantly less entertaining. I'll tell you what. This is quite nice. Is it? It's incredibly strange. Yeah, I bet. Like, I'm pretty sure it's got tiny little lumps of pineapple in it. And when I say tiny, I mean, like, specks of it. Hmm. Not picking up much rum, but it is very... The cheddar taste is prominent, but it's rounded out with uh, this kind of sweet citrusy edge. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I would, mm-hmm. I would probably, that sounds like something I could see myself really enjoying, like with a, um, with like a Ritz type of cracker, like one of the more buttery crackers. Oh, definitely. That would work well on that. That's enough for me. I had a very small slice, but it does not strike me as the kind of cheese you can just eat, eat. You have a bit of it and you go, I 
acknowledge that I have had an amount of cheese and then you put it away. That sounds about right. It's worth worth having in the in your toolkit. If you're hosting a get together and you're like conversations flagging, I need to go get the curiosity cheeses. Curiosity this cheese. This is a good one to have. Curiosity cheese. That sounds like a like it could be a brand of cheese in itself. It could. Why am I looking at the Wikipedia page for the National Film Registry? Uh, I don't know. I tried to come up with an actual answer, but I literally have no idea. Well, I did find a fun fact. Oh, yeah, I found a fun fact. Uh, that'll that'll get us back on track. Although the cheese, the cheese was excellent. I mean, it got our conversation kickstarted. It really did. So the National Film Registry is where the Library of Congress chooses films for archival because they are, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And I just want you, Stephanie, to know that Shrek is in the National Film Registry. Oh, thank God. And also that Return of the Jedi was added to the National Film Registry after Clerks. <laughs> oh, that amuses me greatly. Yeah, Clerks was added... Uh, when was Clerks added? 2019, whereas Return of the Jedi, 2020, I want to say. No, Return of the Jedi was 2021. Fucking hell. So Clerks was added... Two years before Return of the Jedi, one year before A Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, Wally is there as well. That's probably good. And when was X versus Sever added? Um, well, in a just world, X versus Sever would have been added, like, at the, the beginning of the, of the concept of the film registry, uh, which yeah. I guess would be 1989. According to this. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I'm i not a monster. I I wouldn't be angry if it didn't make it in 1989. But, you know, sometime before 94. I, I agree. Um, I'm looking, looking. Let's see. How green was my valley? Fantasia. City lights. What's opera doc? <laughs> what a terrible name the birth of a nation uh was a was a birth of a nation added before return of the jedi it was added before return of the jedi yes it was added in uh hang on 1992 ah. um but it was added after the original star wars film well in many ways birth of a nation is the canonical sequel to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> the Empire fucking strikes back in that film. Jesus fucking Christ, does it ever? Holy right? fuck! I actually learned uh, recently that that movie, The Birth of a Nation, played a huge role in establishing the stereotype of like Black Americans being like mm. obsessed with fried chicken. Huh? Fuck that movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, it's one of them films that everyone knows what it is, but I would wager 
very few people have actually watched it. I don't think anyone should unless they're in film no. school because like it was no. a very technically ambitious and innovative movie. Um, so like you'd want to know where that came from. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is the sort of educational value in regards to learning about propaganda. Yes. Um, that one necessarily doesn't have to watch it to glean that information. So it remains a film that I have referenced several times, but have never watched. Same. Uh, which makes it exactly, exactly the same film as X versus Sever. <laughs> a movie I have referenced <laughs> dozens of times and have never watched for the exact same reasons I won't watch Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Moral and political grounds. Because everyone knows that, you know, X versus Sever is... And it is a very close tie, but X versus Sever is ever so slightly more racist than uh, Birth of a Nation. So then the chronology is Star Wars, The Birth of a Nation, X versus Sever. That's the trilogy. I think if we're rating films from um, most offensive to least offensive, that is the order you go. <laughs> Given what it became, Star Wars is pretty offensive, I'll give you that. I mean, it's up there with Birth of a Nation. And, um, you know, I, I've I've written to George Lucas several times to tell him that. He's never gotten back to me. Rude. There's, a, um, there's also a film in the National Film Registry. It says Stranger Than Paradise, but I'm choosing to believe that it's Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, which was added to the National Film Registry in 2002, <laughs> 20 years before it released. Checks out. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Did Stranger Than Paradise come with a a promotional tie-in hat? Not that I Because I know see. Birth of a Nation did. Boy, did it well, ever. Well, it was more of a hood. Well, in the, I mean, you could wear it as a hat if you wanted. You could. You would look like some sort of, like, absurd racist elf. Yeah, you really would. Or a gnome. Or a gnome. Why isn't Jonathan a gnome? It beggars belief, really. It really fucking does. Were we going to talk about something at this, like, or did we just sort of go in? We didn't have a topic in mind, and I'm sure that that, that has not come across to the listener. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, Who all. I'm hoping has been entertained by at least five minutes of this podcast, in which I've mostly ruined it by talking and eating cheese. And talking about cheese, it's been kind of cheesy today. It has been a cheese-centric podcast. Yeah, it's been very much the chocolate cheese turds of podcasts. And I, I, I think we could probably close it off by talking about our favorite video game cheeses. Oh, that's quite good. Monster Hunter World. I feel like we might need to exclude Monster Hunter from any talk of video game food because it will win every category yeah like the food in monster hunter is really upsettingly well put together it is to video game food what george rr R. martin's work is to literary food it is luxurious it is extravagant it is richly detailed if you've ever read those books and i have about 10 pages per book collectively is descriptions of meals. They all sound fucking munch. They all sound good. That sounds fucking amazing. I would love to read that. Like, I, I, I bought the first one, A Game of Thrones, 
a Final Fantasy story. And I got as far as the dude trying to pimp out his 13-year-old sister to, I want to say, orcs. <laughs> um, Why? Well, I, I think you're thinking about Final Fantasy 16, because I, I remember that bit happening in that. Oh, yeah, totally. But then my water bottle spilled all over the book. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. Leviathan got pissed that he wasn't in Final Fantasy 16, and so punished my book. It's a shame. Leviathan's always doing that. I've been uh, considering rewatching the Game of Thrones television series. Oh, yeah? I fear it may make me fall in romantic love with Rose Leslie again, but it'd be worth the risk. Rose Leslie, hang on to me. Play D Grit, the the you know nothing Jon Snow character. Oh, I mean I've never watched the show. Um Oh. Well, she's very beautiful and such a talent. Oh, she is very beautiful. And such a talent. It was a good show. It had characters and events and sequences. What were we gonna talk about today? Did you like Final Fantasy sixteen? I did. I did, and I, I I remember what I was going to say. I'll 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 leave you with this. The extreme, oppressive, borderline comical hostility of every single fucking NPC outside of the hideaway, I feel like that resonated a bit less with me because as someone who is just extremely paranoid, I assume everybody looks upon me with incredible disdain. And so when the hideaway sort of spent extended periods of time establishing the bonds that these characters are sharing in a world that is hostile to them on all sides, I got real everybody sucks except me and my friends vibes, which I felt that so hard. I really, really did. And so it, it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I would die for anyone in this ruined airship. I would die for this old lady with one eye. I would also ban her. I would die for this old man with a wolf buried in his nuts. I would die for Goots. Damn it all to hell. I would die for Goots. And also Vivian was extremely attractive. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's where I ultimately fall on it, is that I felt like it, 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 came, it came off to me like the world itself is hostile and cruel. Find your people and never let them go. That's a lovely message. And as someone who has done that... I've done that, you know, I've found my people in my life. And you're one of them. Oh. So. It's very sweet. I guess that's, that, that was my big takeaway from Final Fantasy sixteen. That, and it's just still so goddamn funny that his name is Clive. It really is. I had some pushback on it when I published my review. Suddenly. This happens sometimes. Sometimes I'll be like laughing and joking about something in a game and there's no pushback. And then I'll publish the review and suddenly out the woodwork, there will be people confused and offended. 
And that's what I got. Suddenly, after everyone has been making fun of, of Clive as a fantasy protagonist name, suddenly there were people, what's your big problem with Clive? Uh, Why is it funny that he's called Clive? Yeah. What's wrong with Clive? I've gotten pushback on that as well. They've been like, oh, well, clearly you never played Final Fantasy IV. One, okay, granted I haven't, but that's it's on the list, okay? <laughs> Two... Cecil is also very fucking funny as a name for a fantasy protagonist <laughs> when he's surrounded by Palum, Parum, Ridia, and Kane. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, like, I'm a, I like to read TV tropes, and they've got a page called Aerith and Bob, I knew you which were is about that. Aerith and Bob. Aerith and Bob, Aerith yeah. and uh, you have these Vincent. fancy fantasy names, and then mundane ones. But even then, because I have played Final Fantasy IV, and yes, Cecil for a name is pants. <laughs> but also, traditionally, Cecil is not an, at least in the UK, is not like an everyday name. And in fiction, it's typically reserved for like posher characters. Not quite aristocratic, but certainly sort of... A bit bluer blood, a bit upper class. Hello, I'm Cecil. And therefore, it's better than someone who sounds like he's, like, running a fish and chip shop. That's Clive. You meet a dozen Clives. You very rarely meet, like, more than five Cecils in your life. You know, I feel like we could have ended it on the the find your people and never let them go thing, because that would have been so poignant. That's true. We did outstay our welcome. But don't we always? Well. And it's going to get worse. Oh yeah, so much worse. My overall goal for this podcast is to hit the perfect end point about seven minutes into the show where we say something so evocative or meaningful or beautiful or righteous that it really should be the show closer. And then we go on for over 50 minutes, floundering desperately, almost cravenly, as we, in our meek fear, try to string out coherent listening for an audience that quite frankly deserves better. Which is the overall tone that I do try and strike on this show. I guess to bring it back to something a bit more heartfelt... I don't think they deserve better because you, my friend, are the best at what you do. You are the Wolverine of whatever this is. Yeah. The Angela White of podcasting about nonsense. That I will take. And anybody who tries to come at me with Kevin Smith can get fucked. Well, thank you for coming on.